I'd like to ask the question this morning, have I made a difference? It's a common occurrence this time of year for many to look back at the consider its past events, whether it's a calendar year, a physical year, or a portion of the year, such as holiday season, sports, etc. But uh, for those looking back over the calendar year, all sorts of lists appear in print, in news broadcasts, and online, such as who were the best and worst dressed celebrities of the year, the best movies and television shows, the best celebrity mishaps, the most noteworthy political gaffes, the most influential people, top athlete of the year, top entertainer of the year, the most popular gifts and gadgets, or a host of other things that people find of interest. Or looking back over the fiscal year, a number of businesses and corporations alike will evaluate their production costs, profits, growth, expansion, research and development, along with a host of other factors to determine whether or not that company's year was successful. Then there are others who are tied to sports seasons. You know, at the beginning of a sports season, everybody thinks this could be the year we win it all. Whether it's uh, college athletes who want to be crowned national champions or professional athletes who long for the opportunity to be called world champions. But the fact of the matter is only one team can be at the top of the list. Some team in whatever sport it is is going to look back over their season and say, we did it. We're number one. All the other teams are going to look back and say, what happened? <laughs> so if anybody happens to be a fan of the Detroit Lions, that is our mantra. What, 45 years now, going steady. But anyway, as we as a church family here at Temple Baptist Church look back over the past year, can we identify ways in which we have truly made a difference in the lives of others? We'll look this morning at three areas asking these questions. Have I made a difference in the way I live my life? Have I made a difference in the way I labor for the Lord? And have I made a difference in the way I show my love for the lost? Addressing three areas, my walk, my work, my witness. If you would turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. We're going to look at one verse here to get started. Asking the question, have I made a difference in the way I live? Has my life had a positive or negative impact on others? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, among other things, Paul makes this point. He writes, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. A walk worthy of God. Before we get to that, I remind you that we live in a day when self reigns supreme and occupies center stage. The influence of sports, television, fashion, music, movie personalities, and others have pushed our nation's population to new heights of self-indulgence. Success at any cost. No price too great for fame. People are fixated on themselves these days. Did you know doctors have started diagnosing patients with something called selfie syndrome? Have you heard of that? It is a narcissistic personality disorder involving a preoccupation with self and how one is perceived by others. Narcissists 
pursue gratification from vanity and the admiration of their own physical and intellectual attributes. Doctors are even claiming that people who take so many selfies are actually suffering with problems with their wrist and their arm. Again, self, the center stage. How about Snapchat dysmorphia? Have you heard of that? It's a real diagnosis. This is a trend in the elective surgery industry, and that's a, that's a polite way of saying plastic surgery. But it's a trend in the elective surgery industry where patients want their physical characteristics altered to look like their own selfies, which in fact have been altered through apps on their smartphones. It's causing widespread concern among experts who are worried about its negative effect on people's self-esteem and its potential to trigger body dysmorphic disorder a mental illness classified on the obsessive-compulsive spectrum. May I say that anybody who is overly obsessed with their appearance, their being seen by others, their being recognized by others, is going to have problems. And when you add this mindset to the foolishness of a leftist society that makes a person's feelings the standard by which all things are measured, you end up with a culture much like that of Israel in the days of the judges. Three times in the book of Judges we're reminded every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Sadly, too many Christians have bought into this me-first mentality and it's seen in the way they live. Jesus addressed this when asked by a lawyer what uh, the law said, asked by a lawyer how he could get to heaven. He said, well, what's the law say? The man answered, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus' response was, thou hast well said, this do and thou shalt live. You see, God's intent is for man to love God. We were created to commune with him. When I say man, I mean mankind. All of God's human creation is intended to worship the Lord and honor him with their lives. That's why we're reminded in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7. By the way, we're familiar with verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But we stop short there for verse 7 says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Many in our society today haven't got past the idea of what's important to themselves and what they deem as valuable in their lives. Certainly honoring the Lord isn't at the top of their list. The Apostle Paul provided us with both clear instructions and a personal example as how to walk with the Lord. Almost a dozen verses of scripture in his epistles where he tells us how we are to walk. I'll mention just a few of them. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Verse 17, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. 5.8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5.15, 
See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word circumspectly, it kind of hangs this up. It means to be very careful. It means to be very cautious. My pastor used to illustrate it this way. Picturing an old, tired, worn-out tomcat walking along the top of a picket fence with a big bulldog on either side waiting for him to take a misstep. You know, that cat is walking circumspectly, mindful of every step. You know, we as Christians are to be mindful of the way we walk in this world. To the Philippians, Paul wrote in chapter 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This selfie mentality, this selfish, self-centered mindset that so many people embrace today is contrary and counter to the Word of God and God's expectations for us in regard to our relations with others. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Yes, the scripture says a lot about how we are to esteem others better than ourselves. But for the selfie mindset, that doesn't work. It doesn't fit their criteria. It doesn't mesh with their agenda. Again, I ask the question, have I made a difference in the way I live? Am I living in such a way that my walk with the Lord points people to Him or causes them to look at me. The foremost priority of every believer ought to be to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with him. Jesus himself said, The hour cometh and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Christ has opened the door to God's very presence and made it possible for us to daily walk with the Lord. That's why Jesus said, if any man come after me, take up his cross daily and follow me. The Lord expects us to daily walk with the Lord. How are we doing in that area? Looking back over this past year, We can't go back and change those days where our walk was less than pleasing to the Lord. We can't do anything about the past, but we certainly can have a big impact on the present and the future. I may not have walked as the Lord would have had me to this past year, but today I can. And by God's grace, tomorrow I will. That ought to be the desire of every one of us. We sing songs like, Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be like thee. Blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness. Come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image deep on my heart. What a precious hymn, for it reveals the heart of one who truly loves the Lord and wants to be just like our Savior. 
Roland Hill is credited with saying, I do not believe a man to be a true Christian if his wife, his children, and even the dog and the cat aren't better for it. Are others better because of my walk with the Lord? Matthew Henry said, I reckon him a Christian indeed who is not ashamed of the gospel, nor is a shame to the gospel. Paul wrote in Philippians 1, to die is gain. You know, it makes no sense to say to die is gain if I'm not living for Christ. For Philippians 1.21 reads, For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Dying to self. That's why John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. I ask you this morning, who, what, when, where, why, and how do you live? Well, the second question we venture into this morning, have I made a difference in the way I labor? Yes, my walk should demonstrate I'm a Christian, but my work should have an equal effect on others. Look, if you would, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. To see this passage of scripture here, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. This is an important text in regard to the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it marks the beginning of his earthly ministry. Marks the beginning of his public ministry. That might be more accurate to say it that way. Mark 1.21, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. Notice the word straightway. It means immediately. Jesus entered that synagogue and seized the opportunity to teach. The idea is that he began immediately. He didn't wait around. He didn't waste time. He didn't didn't dilly-dally. He went ahead and took the opportunity that was before him to launch his ministry and to set the pace for his service for his heavenly Father. This was the first chance he had to do so, and he took the podium and taught in a right and appropriate manner. The idea is he didn't waste time. He immediately took advantage of that situation. Opportunities need to be seized when they present themselves. For us as Christians, if I'd ask the question, am I laboring, am I serving the way the Lord wants me to, well, am I taking advantage of the opportunities that come my way? Are you doing that as well? Now, several things can be determined about someone who misses an opportunity. People might miss an opportunity because they're not looking for it. They might miss it because they don't recognize the opportunity when it occurs. They might miss that opportunity because they have no initiative to take hold of that opportunity when it arises. Or they may miss that opportunity by not handling it properly when given the opportunity to do so. You see, Jesus' time for his public ministry was short. Just three years possibly three and a half, but all not a very long time. Imagine, the Lord changed the world as a result of his three, three and a half years of public ministry. Now, I realize there are other things associated with it. His birth, his perfection, 
His death, his burial, his resurrection, all that goes together. But he had three years or a little more than three years to impact his disciples who would carry on his ministry after he left. John 9 verse 4, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Jesus recognized he had to be busy about his father's business and not delay, not dilly-dally, not waste time. So many times we sit around and we waste time and somebody says, what are you doing? Say, well, I'm just killing time. Well, no, the fact is time is killing you. We need to be careful to use the opportunities that God gives us to serve Him while we have strength, while we have the ability, while we have the knowledge to accomplish that what God, what God wants us to do. Colossians 4.15, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time need to use the time God has so graciously given us to serve. The hymn writer put it this way, work for the night is coming, work through the morning hours, work while the dew is sparkling, work mid springing flowers, work while the day grows brighter, under the glowing sun, work for the night is coming, when man's work is o'er. Yes, we need to be busy in service of the Lord. But our service is tied to what we considered in that first thought, my life. My service is not to be about me. My service is not for what I can get out of what I do. If I'm serving the Lord, my desire is to honor Him, not to call attention to myself. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It helps us to understand Paul's desire to honor the Lord with his life and his service. Now, this comes at the end of his exhortations concerning the resurrection of the body. And how he tells us in verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is key for us to understand our victories in service for the Lord come as a result of Jesus Christ and our honoring Him, not trying to elevate ourselves. Paul covers this in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. A couple of things about this particular verse. Briefly, always abounding. It's the idea of going above and beyond that which is ordinary, that which is normal. So many times, Christians are satisfied with mediocre types of service. We take the attitude, well, that's good enough. You know, that ought to be just fine. Well, that's all I care to do. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't get halfway to the cross and say, that's enough. I've suffered enough. I've come far enough. I've done more than anybody expected. I've done more than anybody else would have imagined. Aren't you glad he finished that trek all the way to Golgotha and died in our stead? He finished the task that was given him. He recognized his work was to do the will of his Father. Our work is to 
be always abounding, going the extra mile, doing a little more in service for the Lord. And this is the joy, the reward that's associated with it. As you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God has promised he will appropriately and abundantly reward his children for their service. But a key thought is in that verse that we sometimes overlook. Notice, as you know that your labor is not in vain, the last three words, in the Lord. If we leave those out of the text and just end it with, we know that your labor is not in vain, what labor is that talking about? What I do for me? What I do for the praise of others? What I do for the attention of those around me? Those last three verses qualify, clarify what our labor is supposed to accomplish. It is supposed to accomplish that which is right and pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. It's for Him I serve. It is for His glory I labor. It is for His good pleasure I do what He has given me to do. Beloved, God expects us as His children to labor for Him. Too many folks working for that pat on the back. They're looking for that physical reward. They're looking for that 15 minutes of fame. They want to be in the limelight. They want to be the center of attention. No, no. The one who's truly serving the Lord is one who's satisfied for him to receive the praise and the honor and the glory. And By the way, he's the only one worthy to receive it. What a good and gracious God he is. Too many today caught up in this self-centered mentality to where they will be the center of attention at every opportunity and what they do is for their own self-gratification, their own self-praise or recognition. Beloved, our labor ought to be that which pleases the Lord. Psalm 100 verse 2 declares, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Our service ought not to be done grudgingly. It ought not to be done with reservation. It ought not to be done haphazardly. No, we ought to gladly serve the Lord. W.B. Riley declared, A man's conduct is always the evidence of his creed. What I believe determines what I do. And whom I do that for determines where my real love is. Do we love the Lord today? A prominent salesman a number of years ago summed up his success with three simple words. And then some. He said, and I quote, I discovered at an early age that most of the differences between average and top people could be explained with these three words. Top people did what was expected of them, and then some. They were thoughtful of others, they were considerate and kind, and then some. They met their obligations and responsibilities fairly and squarely, and then some. And were good friends to their friends and could be counted on in an emergency. And then some. You know, I believe the Lord is honored 
well pleased with those who will not simply meet the minimum requirements of his expectations, but will serve the Lord with gladness, going over and above, reaching others for Christ. Dr. Wingard, dear pastor friend in North Carolina, said Christians who think the most about the next life do the most for Christ in this life. Christians who think the least about the next life do little for Christ in this life. Oh, how we need to serve the Lord while there is time and opportunity to do so. Moving to the third thought, look, if you would, uh, at Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And I ask you this third question. We've already asked, have I made a difference with my life? Have I made a difference with my labor? Now, how about have I made a difference with the way I love? My walk is important. My work is important. But my witness is equally important. Luke 19.10. And actually, I'm going to tie this to to a verse in in John. So stay with me here in Luke 19.10. Our Lord stated, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is his personal testimony as to why he came to this earth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Then when you consider, in addition to that, his words in John 20, verse 21, where you have the Gospel of John's addition to the Great Commission, Jesus said, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. God has given us as New Testament saints the task, the responsibility to go as he has been sent. You get that? So in Luke 19, how was he sent? Came to seek and to save that which was lost. It is our responsibility to love others the way the Lord Jesus Christ loves them. I think you would agree with me, none of us were all that lovely, all that appealing, all that impressive to the Lord. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross for us because he thought heaven wouldn't be the same without us. No, he died on the cross for us because we were sinners, desperately in need of a Savior, having no hope of eternal life without his intervention and without God's plan of redemption. Thank God that he loved us enough that we here today have heard this gospel message. That many, if not all of us today, have trusted in Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior and Lord. But there are billions outside these doors, across the country and around the world, who have not had the same privilege. How we need to be burdened for them. Someone has said, it's been well said, that to be a secret disciple is impossible because either the discipleship kills the secrecy or the secrecy kills the discipleship. We need to be like John the Baptist, a voice crying in the wilderness. We need to be like our Lord declared, salt and light. We need to be a witness 
telling others of that good news. The fields of souls are white, all ready to harvest. John 4, 35, Jesus declared, There are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white, all ready to harvest. Jesus said there are people dying and going to hell, desperately in need of hearing this message of salvation, desperately in need of being told someone loves them enough to make a difference in their life and change them and make them a new creature. Jesus emphasized this as well in Matthew chapter 9 when he said the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Are we willing to be one of those laborers? Are we willing to be one of those who will harvest it goes back to the second thought. Our labor, our labor ought to be for the Lord. But our labor doesn't stop at just honoring Him. No, no. It continues out into the fields of this world, seeking to reach those who know not Jesus Christ as their Savior. Psalm 126, verse 5, declares, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I'd ask this. Do we really care? People are dying and going to hell. Does it bother us that people we pass on the streets of Sarasota, Bradenton, Venice, Nicomas, or wherever... Does it bother us these people we're seeing go by are heading to a Christless eternity? It ought to. It really should. The hymn writer put it this way, Jesus, I long, I long to be winning men who are lost and constantly sinning. Oh, may this hour be one of beginning the story of pardon to tell. Another Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Charles Spurgeon was noted as saying, I would not give much for your religion unless it can be seen. Lamps do not talk, but they do shine. And each of us, our Lord expects to be a light in this world. Oswald Chambers asked the question, How many people have you made homesick for heaven? Who, what, when, where, why, and how do you witness Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Jesus declared, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. Three questions this morning. Has my life, my labor, and my love made a difference in this past year? If not, Let me encourage you to ask the Lord to help in whatever area we've fallen short that we in turn truly might make a difference. In the remainder of this year, hey, there's still a day and a half to go. 
and then in the coming year until our Lord returns. Amen. And close with this thought. I am my neighbor's Bible. He reads me when we meet. He may not even know my name, yet he's reading me when we greet. Someone has said the only Bible some people will ever read is your life. Shelton Smith said, instead of asking how long will I live, the more important question may be, how well will I live? Some live long lives and seem to waste every minute. Others live only a brief span and yet make a mighty impact while here. Billy Sunday used to say, live so that when the final summons comes, you will leave something more behind than an epitaph on a tombstone or an obituary in a newspaper. Then another has said, you can impress people from a distance, but you can only impact them up close. Have you made a difference? If you have, thank the Lord for that. But if not, there's something we need help with.